Radio. Viewpoints expressed on the program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station and its underwriters. Opinions and different perspectives are welcome on the show. If you would like to be or suggest a guest, email coffeebreak at kchu.org or call 835-4665. Your participation in Coffee Break is encouraged. Callers to the show are not screened and comments are considered sincere. Hey, Gordon, I just want to make sure you can hear me. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you perfectly well. Thanks. All right. Hold on one second. We are Coffee Break. I'm Justin Bass, your host. We'll be right back. Grab a cup of coffee. We're with Gordon Raphael, producer of The Strokes, Regina Spector, and many other musicians. He's live from the U.K. Hold on. All right, we're back. This is Coffee Break. We're going to be in an hour-long conversation with Gordon Raphael, famous producer of The Strokes' album, Is This It?, and their second album, Room on Fire, as well as Regina Spector's first real album, Soviet Kitsch, that he recorded on his own record label, Shoplifter Records. He's joining us live from the UK. It is 6 o'clock, his time. Gordon, how are you feeling? Thank you for joining us. I'm feeling pretty cheerful. What about yourself? I'm feeling pretty good. I got my coffee. It's a rainy day, but I'm warm and cozy inside here at the KCHU studios. And it's a pleasure talking with you, man. I haven't talked with you in years, even though we're full disclosure, Facebook friends. And I have been uh, in Gordon's company in New York City, mostly as a reporter. But uh, I've hung out with you maybe four or five times at your favorite breakfast spot, 7A in East Village. You were kind enough to take me to one of your practice sessions for your band Blacklight in the Lower East wow. Side, and uh, I, I joined you at the that, that practice that you were at. There are two members of that group that are have been with Guns and Roses for the past like twenty years or something like that. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yep, Richard Fortas, who is at that practice playing guitar with me, and Frank Ferrar or Farrier, I think how you say his name. Um, they are both they both been both long term Guns N' Roses members for the past couple of decades actually. Impressive, man. I mean, uh, reading through your book by the way, congratulations, Newspeg, uh Gordon Raphael just published his autobiography. It's called The World Is Gonna Love This Up from the Basement with the Strokes just published July. Just this last month in 2022, Gordon, congratulations. It's a fantastic read, well-written. I loved reading it. Thank you very much, and you're one of the first people to read it, so that's cool. Well, you've you've had a couple of different people read it, right, because you dropped it in Scotland I was reading online. Well, I gave it to the members of The Strokes as a little present after their show in uh, Glasgow last month, but I can't guarantee that any of them will read it. <laughs> Well, I couldn't stop reading it, man. I turned off the TV so I could read your book. It's more entertaining than wow. anything else out there. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So, um, like I said, this is your show, your floor. What do you want to talk about? I mean, you've had such an incredibly successful musical career. You were in one of the most popular bands in the grunge scene in Seattle, 
according to Dave Grohl, you were in the band Sky Cries Mary playing uh, Moog, right? Your mini Moog, your ARP Odyssey. Yep, I had an arsenal of keyboards and sampling machines. I would oftentimes mix really beautiful space melodies with samples from horror movie dialogue. And just, I kind of enjoyed having this little evil streak underneath the beautiful chords. And then you were, you, I mean, you were in a band called Mental Mannequin. Yep, yep. And Color Twigs. Yeah, Colored Twigs. And uh, then you formed a band called Absinthee that you took to New York City. That's right. That's how I got from Seattle to New York back at the end of the grunge movement. And then. Uh, the same person that you were, the two people in the band, Anne, Mercedes? Yeah. Yeah, and then you guys ended up hopping over the pond to England to do another yeah. phase. Yeah, Anna's, studio, Anna's um, family helped me build my studio in New York, and that's where I recorded the strokes. And then when that thing got successful, I moved to London, and I thought it was such a party scene and so much fun that I should repay Anne for her kindness and friendship and musical ingenuity and bring her along to London to see if she would get along there. And she had a pretty successful run, didn't she? She had a great time. She was, And she was really uh, supported and well-liked there. And her Seattle, New York vibe went over very well in the indie OOs back in London. So now, um, I you did write this book. I wanted you to read a little bit about it. I don't know if you have it with you, but I, I was, yeah. you know, you've got some great um, just scenery writing in here. And I thought maybe our listeners, since we're KCHU Valdez, Alaska, 770 AM, just as a reminder for everyone, I thought maybe you could read that excerpt from page nine about growing up in, okay. in Seattle in the okay. Pacific Northwest. If you would allow me, I'll start on page eight to give it some context. The okay? floor is yours. Okay. I'm talking about um, how I grew up in the Seattle music scene and how it was so influential on all my ideas and my experiences. So let me start on page eight. And what exactly was that vision of early 90s Seattle, Washington, that drew the masses and attracted fans from all over the world. The town is located on a powerfully spiritual inlet of salt water called Puget Sound, enclosed to the west by the magical Olympic Mountains and guarded to the east by the jagged, high, snow-peaked Cascades. To the north is the crystal magician, Mount Baker, always gleaming white with snow, while down south, Mount Rainier, so tall and wide, looming like an apparition or guardian angel. Precisely what makes a body of water spiritual or a mountain range magical? Clouds and water vapor trapped between those two mountain ranges cover the entire Pacific Northwest region of the United States. I should say continental United States in honor of you guys but I said United States, with mist, fog, and rain showers that appear then disappear within minutes. This area also specializes in being sunny and raining at the same time. 
To stand at Pier 59 or Victor Steinbruck Park at Pike Place Market, gazing out over Puget Sound through that rainy haze, you perceive that the nearest civilization out there is Japan, straight ahead 5,000 miles away. Orcas, seals, trout, and salmon can be seen on the surface of water that goes down to 930 feet deep, while octopi, squid, gooey ducks, clams, and oysters choose to stay hidden below. There is also the palpable history of Native American culture with its physical reminders such as totem poles and longhouses. The air itself is layered with invisible trails of shamans from the past. As for Magical Mountain, the Wonderland Trail around Mount Rainier takes 10 days to hike, covering 93 miles of rivers, glaciers, lakes, and panoramic vistas. For only two months in summer, when the snow melts, can the lupins, alpine asters, and other wildflowers come up to bloom. Over on the other side, the Olympic Mountains hide a prehistoric rainforest with fallen, ancient, moss-covered trees giving birth to new ones, while giant fungi and colorful Anamita muscaria mushrooms flourish all around. When we step back from the macrocosmic zoom lens of these impressive natural surroundings, the social scene in Seattle during the time I was growing up was pretty unusual. Being alone in that northwest corner of the USA felt very cut off and isolating, unlike the cluster of big cities up and down the East Coast. People were generally friendly and laid back, but we encountered lots of attitude, verbal abuse, threats, and outright violence from citizens with redneck, conservative, homophobic, and uptight mentalities. These were cowboy vibes. Farmers' kids driving into the big city to harass any freaks or weirdos they hoped to come across. Often this redneck aura resulted from the many beers acting upon the brains that were limited by strict punishing regimes in their 1950s-influenced evangelical religious homes. There were also athletic high school guys dead set upon beating up anyone veering from their expectations of appropriate gender expression. Let's see, where am I next? Um, it wasn't too uncommon to hear some kind of being shouted from a passing muscle car before dodging the eggs that were being thrown at us. Heavily, contracted with that, heavily contrasted with that were pockets of bright young scientists, heavy intellectuals reading massive amounts of books and creative geniuses busy with their music, art, and filmmaking. Many of our fathers worked building airplanes at Boeing, taught at the university, or went fishing and crabbing from Seattle to Alaska. The rain, being so prevalent, directed the youth to either join sports teams at school or drink beer in their family basements where they started their own rock bands. Los Angeles and New York where the U.S. record companies operated, were far away and far out of reach. So no one in our scene expected anything more than to play in front of a few hundred like-minded scenesters at the Vogue, Central Tavern, Rainbow Tavern, 
or small venues in restaurants that popped up and then closed down every six months. There you go. Thank you, Gordon. I appreciate you reading that. And uh, Thank you. I never read it out loud before, so that was fun. Well, you read it very well. I appreciate that. And uh, just to reintroduce you, this is Gordon Raphael, the famous producer of The Strokes' first two albums, Regina Spector's first real album on his own label, Shoplifter Records. He's a successful musician in his own right, playing with Sky Cries Mary, the most popular band in the Seattle grunge scene, according to Dave Grohl of Nirvana. And he is still producing today. He, Where are you at right now? Hebden Bridge, is that right, in the U.K., Gordon? I'm Bridge in West Yorkshire, U.K. Can you say that one more time so I'm not stepping over your words? Hebden Bridge in West Yorkshire, U.K. Okay. And then who are you producing right now? Well, some of the most exciting people that I've been working with this year is a band that was originally from kind of the West Coast in L.A., and they moved to New York recently. They're called Cab Ellis. And they have an incredible album called The East Coast Hold On that I produced at Bear Creek Studio in Seattle, which I write about in my book quite a lot, That Place. And it's an incredible combination of live rock band with a horn section and a crazy singer that delivers these incredible poetics in a hip-hop, rapid-fire, super rhythmic delivery. It's a great combination, and I'd love everybody to check out that album, The East Coast Hold On by Cab Ellis. It's out everywhere. Do you have a favorite song from East Coast? What is it, Cab Ellis? Cab Ellis, the, 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 um, She Put That Man Over Me is really good. She Put That Man Over Me by Cab Ellis is a phenomenal song. And can we play it on the radio? You sure can. I don't think there's any of those 25-letter words. She put that man over me, is that right? Yes. So you were the producer of this, 2022? I recorded. Yeah, yeah, I, I produced it in Bear Creek Studio in Seattle. Okay. Let's take a listen. This is Gordon Raphael, famous producer of The Strokes, Regina Spector, and many other musicians. So this is the band Cab Ellis, their new album, The East Coast Hold On. This is the single, She Put That Man Over Me. Let's take a listen. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Justin, are we off the air? No, we're, hold on one sec. Okay. I got to wait for this YouTube to get off of the commercials, and then we'll play this song. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. So by default, so was she. She was grappling with those traditions and the needs. And I was in the middle where I always seemed to be. Knowing that she put another man over me. She went to school with him, but I hoped that she would expel him. Think she thought me handsome, but she would never tell him. Got in a suit to see his house, and he was getting jealous. 
back. This is Justin Bass, your host for Coffee Break. This is KCHU Valdez, 770 AM. We're with Gordon Raphael, famous producer of The Strokes, Regina Spector, and many other musicians. We just played the single, She Put That Man Over Me. That's by Cab Ellis. And that's recorded by Gordon Raphael. New single for 2022, The Man Never Stops. He just keeps on cranking out good music. Gordon, you still there? 
I'm still here, my friend. Wow, what a great song. I love that guitar solo at the end. Yeah, I just love their music. Every song on the album is high quality and wonderful, really. So now, we're going to open up the phone call uh, early here, just because I think hopefully people are going to call in and have a lot of questions for you, Gordon. So you can hopefully call. They had, Go ahead. Hopefully they have coffee already. Yeah, yeah. Grab your cup of coffee and just relax for a little bit. We're talking with Gordon Raphael. You can ask him questions live on the air here. You can call 907-835-5080, and that's 907-835-5080, or 1-800-478-5080. Once again, 1-800-478-5080. So, Gordon... Give me a call. Give me a call. What's up? Give me a call, man. Yeah, Gordon is ready to take your questions. So the big question I would like to ask, how did you meet the Strokes? Well, you have to get my new book and find out. Oh, you already asked. You did. Okay. Um, I met them because they were playing at a club near where my studio was. The club was called Luna Lounge. It was where all the young bands played, mostly for free. And it's free admission almost every night of the week. And I always went there to check out new bands and see if I could record any. And the Strokes played one night. Okay. And so I'm going to paint that scene a little bit more because I lived in that neighborhood, one of the best neighborhoods I have ever lived in. I lived on Rivington Street, 2nd and Rivington. 2nd and Rivington. 2nd and Rivington. 2nd. Avenue, 2nd Street, or what? what, what I'm pretty sure it was 2nd Street and Rivington, because Rivington, didn't, does Rivington go east to west? It was right across the street from this really fancy restaurant. I lived on Rivington. After, after, like, uh, the last place I lived in the year 2001 and 2 was Rivington and Clinton. Like, when you say 2nd, it sounds, uh, maybe it does. Yeah, it does. It goes all the way to 2nd Avenue. Yeah, because there was a really fancy restaurant that had just opened up across from where I was living. And there was the live music venue where you did your practice session right below me. Wow. Yeah, that's so cool. That's a great area. You live in a great area. Yeah, I totally lucked out. I mean, right by Ludlow Street, right by Mercury Lounge on Houston. So I've been to the Luna Lounge. I know the Luna Lounge very well. It no longer exists, unfortunately, right? It never came back. Right, but the guy who ran that actually made his own book. Um, his name's Rob, and he wrote a book about the Luna Lounge, interestingly enough. Um, okay. well, did you ever go to the Pink Pony, which was across the street from the Luna Lounge? I must have. I, I went to all of the places. So you, yeah, and you Max, would... Max Fish was another really famous bar right on that street. Yeah, and the living room. I went there a lot for, yeah. for live acoustic sets. Me too, me too. So now you and I met through Carrie Black. That's her professional well, name, Carrie Black. She's a promoter and sometime manager of bands, and she introduced me to you. And I guess that's she introduced you to The Strokes, right? That was her party that I went to. I did not remember that that's how we met. So... So I met you when I was recording uh, for the beginnings of first impressions of Earth with the Strokes' like third album. 
I met you. I, I probably was living at the like Lexington. What hotel was that? It was a really good hotel, Gramercy Park Hotel. Did you come to my place at the Gramercy Park Hotel? Oh yeah, that was a treat too, man. Because that place no longer exists in that form either. Old school. High class hotel, Gramercy Park yeah. Hotel, uh, with the pictures of the famous people who stayed there, like Humphrey Bogart and Babe Ruth. Right. That was incredible that I stayed there. I mean, I, that was like, I felt like I made it in the world. I'm living at the Gramercy Park Hotel for months on end. And I had all my keyboards there and a guitar amp. That Were you with me when I spray painted my guitar amp with glitter? Uh, I don't think I was there for the glitter, but I mean, I was definitely impressed with your digs. Yeah, and it was so fun because I could play my electric guitar in my hotel room and nobody complained. The walls were so thick. Mm, unbelievable. So mm-hmm. so now, um, you, I mean, there's plenty in this book to gobble up about your relationship with the Strokes, with Julian, Albert, Nick, Nikolai, and Fabrizio. Yeah, you really know these guys pretty well. I mean, are you friends with the Strokes? I would say like, we are. We are. I mean, we we kind of have a some kind of bond. You know, when you're down there for months on end working on people's music together, you develop a very trusting and loving and hardworking bond. But do I ever? Do they ever like go out to parties with them or go to their house and hang out? No. So we weren't those kind of friends, like you have a real friend. But even today, 20 years later, when I go backstage, like in Glasgow last month, it's like family. It's more like family, some kind of musical family members. That's nice. I like that because you do have a lot of intimate moments with Julian in particular. And uh, I was hoping I could just read a quote that you have in the book on page 88 about Julian describing what the Strokes' sound will be? Yes, please. Okay, so this is from page 88. Gordon Raphael, we're talking with the famous producer of The Strokes, Regina Spector, and many other bands. He's in the U.K. joining us live right now, so it's dinner time. We're past dinner time, almost bedtime for his grandkids in the U.K. That's right. Yeah, so he's joining us, and we're glad to have him here. This is from his book, The World is Gonna Love This, Up from the Basement with The Strokes. He just published July 2022. Page 88, Julian spoke the first of several cryptic poetic ciphers that I would hear from him. Quote, imagine you're in a spaceship and you travel to the future where you discover a great band from the past that you really love. End quote. Would you say, what a poet, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's, uh, I've heard people say that the Strokes sound is a mix of new and old. And that seems yeah. to be what he was going for. Yeah, I didn't really understand it at the time, but uh, after we I worked with them for a while, I started to get the picture. Now, the the album "Is This It" from two thousand one is one of the Rolling Stones' five hundred greatest albums of all time, as of May third, twenty twenty one. What position did they give it? Number one hundred and fourteen out of five hundred. Wow, that's not very good. The U.S. never showed much love compared to the U.K. and Europe. Like, the U.K. put out the same list, and only uh, Amy Winehouse was ahead 
of the Strokes. Is This It was like number two of the 21st century. Yes, yes, but this isn't 21st century. This is all time. Oh, wow. All time. good. 500 greatest records of all time, Gordon. You produced one of the greatest 500 albums of all time. That's got to be a good feeling, my friend. Well, how does it feel? You're number 114 of all the albums that have ever been recorded. Well, it gives me plenty of time, plenty of room to grow so I can do better. (laughs) Yes. You're always shooting for number one, huh? I like to just move up the charts if I can. Okay. So now I'm reading about your – you have to really tailor your production to each individual or group you're working with. So as a producer, are you creating with the band, or do you try to get out of the way and let the musician do whatever they want, or do you find it as a custom process every time where you and the musicians are creating together in the studio? Well, that's very interesting that you ask that question, because as a music producer or engineer or mixer, you certainly do not have to tailor your approach and your process and your thoughts to each band. Many people, the bands come to them for the certain sound, right? Well, I'm a musician and a composer, and I'm not really that interested in having my stamped sound on everybody. I know that if you write a song, you must have an imagination of how you want that to be. And my interest in being a producer is to go in and figure out what's in the person's heart and mind and then do everything I possibly can to make their vision come true. Now, it's a strange way of working, but it's, it's one that's very satisfying, you know, because people smile a lot. They go like, wow, he really listened to me. He really understands somehow what I'm going for, and he's doing it. Like, there's a beauty in that that I, I, I don't know. Even if my last production was two weeks ago in the town of Leeds in the U.K., and the guy sounded kind of like Hank Williams or something, like a British guy sounded like Hank Williams. And I kind of gave him exactly what he had in his mind, and he was smiling from ear to ear the whole time, and that's great for me. Well, what's his name? His name is Matthew Aylett. In fact, he just texted me. I don't know if he has any music out already, but um, the stuff we made is just in the finishing stages. Okay. Well, what's his last name? Can you spell it for us? A-Y-L-E-T-T. A-Y-L-E-N-T-T? No, A-Y-L-E-T-T. Matthew Aylett. Okay. Matthew Aylett. Okay, so we should all be on the lookout for Matthew Aylett's new music recorded with uh, producer Gordon Raphael, but just last month, you said? Like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. We've been working on the mix. For two weeks, yeah. Okay. So brand new stuff. Now, I would like to play um, a song from Is This It, The Strokes' first album, which is multi-platinum certified, and that means it's sold over a million albums, correct? I believe so. Okay. So not only uh, number 114 on the all-time list of greatest albums, 500 greatest albums from Rolling Stone, but also sold well all around the world. And, of course, being in New York during that time period, the Strokes were the band everyone was listening to, and it just brings me back to being in uh, 
in Williamsburg. So I'd love to play a song. Do you have uh, anything you would like to listen to in particular? Sure. Since uh, you're asking me and I'm going to go on the moment, let's try Soma. I love that song. Okay, so this is Soma. Not yeah, some, nobody, not nobody some, plays that. Not radio. someday, but Soma. Okay, well. Yeah. All right. And, and what do you love about that song? Well, the music, the tone of the instruments, and the lyrical content are just out of this world. And you know, it, I think it's related somehow to the Brave New World, Aldous Huxley book, because Soma was something that was in that book described as like a a universal medicine that everyone took to try to take their mind off the problem. Okay. So now it's okay to play for the radio? Yes. Okay. Let's see if this goes. And that was Soma by The Strokes off their first album, Is This It? One of the greatest albums of all time, according to Rolling Stone, number 114 on their list of 500 greatest albums of all time. And it's even more popular in the UK. 
Sold over a million albums, certified double platinum, I'm pretty sure. And we're here with the producer of The Strokes' first two albums, Gordon Raphael. He's joining us live from the U.K., and he just uh, checked on his granddaughter. So are you still going to stick with us, Gordon? Heck yeah. She's wrapped up in Disney's Peter Pan right now. I should be good for a while, but I'm staying as long as I can, okay? All right, cool. So let's open up the phones, people. Let's get some calls in to ask Gordon some questions live on the air, 907-835-5080. That's 907-835-5080 or 1-800-478-5080, 1-800-478-5080. You can ask questions to Gordon Raphael, the producer of The Strokes, Regina Spector, and many other musicians over his very long career in the music yeah, industry. Yeah, I've recorded Alaska, so I, I really want some band from Alaska to invite me over to make some music. Oh, Yeah. Anybody in Alaska who wants Gordon Raphael to come on over, call right now, 907-835-5080. So we are talking with Gordon Raphael because the news is just last month, July 2022, he published his autobiography, The World is Going to Love This, Up from the Basement with the Strokes. I read the whole thing. It's a fantastic read. I highly recommend it. Best entertainment going right now. So, Gordon, you played um, Regina Spector for Julian in the studio. That's right. And then he became an instant fan. And he did. Yeah. He really did, which was surprising to me. I didn't think I didn't know at that point, even though we were recording Room on Fire, the second album, I really didn't know if I played him music with a girl singing and playing the piano, if he was gonna like wrinkle up his nose and say, Turn that off. But he surprised me. He said, Hey Play another song from that record. I was so happy. So you played him. Um, well, how did you meet Regina Spector? Let's go through that. Well, that's a good question. Before I was a famous producer, I was working in a couple different studios in New York. And there was a guy who worked with They Might Be Giants. And, you know, that classic band, They Might Be Giants. And... He brought young bands to my studio because he thought I was a good engineer. And uh, we became friends. And one day when I was living in London, he called me up and said, hey, do you want to come record a girl in New York City? And I said, no, thank you. I've been recording all year, but I will go to New York City to party. And so his, his name is Alan Bozzozzi. And I think he's a record executive and talent scout now for some major labels in New York. And he invited me to meet Regina Spector at a recording studio. And I shook her hand, and she looked very cute and very cool. I said, what do you do exactly? And she started hitting a drumstick on a chair and singing some crazy-ass lyrics. Sorry, I said a three-letter word. And looking (laughs) up at me, and I thought, oh, my God. Listen, this is where I get my book title. The world is going to love this. That's what I thought. I got to record this person right now. And immediately after meeting her, without any plan to do so, I started recording what turned out to be her uh, album, Soviet Kitsch. Okay. So the song that you heard her play is Poor Little Rich Boy. Very good. Yes, that's true. Yeah. She's playing a chair with a stick. Sounds like horses galloping, 
the left hand, she's playing the piano at the same time, and she's singing at the same time. So she's got a three-way consciousness split going on right there. Yeah, I, we have a, a place here in town where I saw a woman playing the guitar, uh, kicking the bass drum, uh, and then also she had she was singing at the same time, and she also had the hi hat in front of her. She was hitting with her hand every once in a while. So that is cool. I yeah, love that. Yeah, yeah. So there's some great music here in Valdez, Alaska. Uh, good, wow, good good rock scene yep. here. So You're I would like to oh, go ahead. You're the first person that told me that. <laughs> the secret's out. So, okay. So. I would like to play a little bit of that song. I can't play the whole thing because Regina kind of goes into uh, a, a little Where? bit of a, a four-letter, three-letter word bit at the end. But I would like to play a little bit of Poor Little Rich Boy by Regina Spector, her first real deal album, Soviet Kitsch, recorded in 2003, right, but released in 2004? Yeah, recorded in 2003, and I guess it took us a year of sessions back and forth in London and in New York to flesh out that record. Okay, so let's hear a little bit of Poor Little Rich Boy by Regina Spector, produced Excited. by Gordon Raphael. you have anything to say, Gordon? God bless Regina Spector. She's still making incredible music to this very, very day. All right, here we go. Oh, well, we're waiting, we're waiting. Waiting and waiting. Yeah, okay. We're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Not everything's perfect in this world. Technology works sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, so we're di- three, two, one, and let's see what we can do now. Here we go. Boy, little rich boy, all the couples have gone. You wish that they hadn't. You don't want to be alone But they want to kiss And they got homes of their own Boy, little rich boy All the couples have gone, have gone, have gone And you don't love your girlfriend You don't love your girlfriend And you think that you should But you think that you're bad But you don't love her anyway And you don't love your mother and you know that you should And you wish that you would But you don't anyway Boy, little rich boy Ah, the world is okay The water runs off your skin And down to the drain You're reading Fitzgerald You're reading Hemingway They're both super smart And drinking in the cafe but you don't love your girlfriend You don't love your girlfriend And you think that you should But you think it's fat But she's not you don't love her anyway And you don't love your mother You know that you should And you wish that you would But you don't anyway All right, Gordon, I had to bail out of that song because Regina starts banging away on her drum real quick, and she starts swearing at that end of that song, but it's still really poetic and musical. Yeah. Yeah, so Regina Spector, well-loved. Would you call her an indie artist? What do you call Regina Spector? Uh, 
He's a real gem and a one of a kind. For sure. So um, now you're in Hebden Bridge. I'm just going to reintroduce you here for everybody. We're we're talking with famous, world famous producer Gordon Raphael. He produced The Strokes' first two albums. He produced some of the songs on their third album, First Impressions of Earth, and released in 2006. Uh, he produced Regina Spector's very first Real Deal album on his uh, label, Shoplifter Records, the album Soviet Kitsch by Regina Spector, recorded in 2003, released in 2004. He's in Hebden Bridge, Yorkshire, in the U.K., joining us live right now. If you have any questions for him, call 907-835-5080. 907-835-5080 or 1-800-478-5080, 1-800-478-5080, and you can ask questions live right now on the air with Gordon Raphael joining us from across the pond, as they say, in the UK, yep. across the continental United States and the pond since we're in Alaska. And he just published his autobiography, The World is Going to Love This, Up from the Basement with the Strokes. It was just published July 22. I had the pleasure of reading the entire book. I recommend it to everybody. It's a great read. You will find it's a master class in how to produce music and a lot of inside baseball, inside music about his time with the Strokes, Regina Spector, his own touring with his own band. It, it's it's not easy being a musician, is it, Gordon? Um. It's not easy, but I don't know anything in life that's really easy. I really don't. I haven't come across an easy, a guy who says, I have an easy life. <laughs> okay, and now you've got, there's another band. I was just poking around on the internet, and they're called The Lounge Society. Oh, my God. They are blowing up right now in England. They're like the future of indie music in England. Definitely play them. Right, yeah. So I was listening to them. They play at what's the name of the place? The Trades Club. Yeah, that's my big. That's our big venue in our town. It's an amazing venue. Yeah, I saw a video of theirs, and there looks like somebody very similar to you in the video outside the Trades Club. That's me. That's me. I was on. The, I was opening their their one of their videos, their early videos. Yeah. Right. So you're like a local celebrity in town, huh? Well, for the young people that know rock and roll, definitely. But for everybody else, I'm just that crazy guy with the shopping bags and the strange hairdo. <laughs> Nobody wears their hair long anymore, like in the 1600s? Not like me, which is in the New York late 80s style. Well, now, they've got a lounge society. Is one Apparently, you're one of their biggest fans. I am one of their biggest fans, and uh, luckily I got to produce some music with them uh, last month, also in the city of Leeds, UK. Wait, go back to that. You produced? I produced uh, six songs for them last month that are all for radio broadcasts here in the UK. Two went out on BBC Radio, and the rest are going out, I think they went out this week, on XFM Radio. So special version of live music that they made just for um, the radio. Okay, you didn't produce their their recorded album. You pr produced their live stuff. Right, I produced their recent radio songs. I hope I can produce their next live album, though. 
Okay, so like when the Beatles went to BBC Live, that's what you did. You did BBC Live? Uh, I think BBC Live, yeah, definitely. Okay, and that was when? Um, BBC Live went out about three weeks ago, and then XFM, I think the John Kennedy Show is the name of it, was this week. Okay, and then did you record one of their songs called Upheaval? I recorded a live version of Upheaval. But you can play the upheaval version that you find on their record if you like. Well, I thought that might be appropriate. It's one of their new singles, right, from August 2022. That's right. Very fresh. Just out, just released. And I, I recommend highly playing that song. Okay. The Lounge Society. This is their single, Upheaval. And they're from my town, Captain Bridge, West Yorkshire.
That was Lounge Society's new single called Upheaval from August 2022. So brand spanking new. They're out of Yorkshire, where we're joined by Gordon Raphael, world-famous producer of The Strokes' first two albums, Regina Spector, many other musicians. He's live from the U.K. right now in Hebden Bridge, Yorkshire, and he produced some live cuts for the Lounge Society, a new band that's heating up in the U.K. when they appeared live on the BBC. So, Gordon, you're still with us, right? I'm right here, my friend. All right. Well, we're coming to the end of the show here, and I would love to take some callers. We're KCHU Valdez, 770 AM, 770 AM on your AM dial, and you can hear us, of course, streaming kchu.org. Anybody out there want to ask a question, Gordon Raphael is here to answer anything that you would like to ask. You can call 907-835-5080. That's 907-835-5080 or 1-800-478-5080, 1-800-478-5080. Gordon Raphael just published his autobiography in July 2022, it's called The World is Going to Love This, Up from the Basement with the Strokes. And I read the whole book, loved it. I, I recommend it to everyone. I marked it up. There is so much to learn about music history, music production, inside relationships with the, the musicians, the Strokes, uh, Regina Spector, across the board, even uh, run-ins with Nirvana uh, I mean, basically, you know everybody, Gordon. I mean, like... I met a few musicians, yes, but not everybody. Well, I mean, you have Beatles connections. You have The Doors connections, Pearl Jam, Nirvana. I mean, most That's of... That's a good selection. Go ahead. That's a good selection of humans, right? Yeah. Even, you know, for people who love... Rock music, the Stone Roses were one of the great bands of the late 80s and early 90s. And you even had a chance to produce Ian Brown, the singer of the Stone Roses. How fun was that? And I didn't even know I was doing it until I figured it out. Yeah, you want to tell us a little bit about that story? Well, this guy just called up my studio and said, can I make a sixth vocal? So I said yes, and I asked him what his name was, and he said Ian. So I'm recording this guy, Ian, singing a song, and my ears are going, I know this voice. Like, this guy sounds really familiar. And then I saw that his name was Ian, and I said, wait, this is Ian Brown. I'm recording Ian Brown. How cool is that? And when he finished, I said, are you Ian Brown from Stone Roses? And he said, yes, I am. So that was a completely unexpected, magical moment. And that was in New York, right? Well, that is in New York City, in my first studio, which was in near Chinatown, on Ludlow and Grand. Now, you did also produce The Strokes' second album after uh, the producer for Radiohead took a crack at it, but The Strokes didn't like the sound he was creating for them. They preferred what you were doing in this studio. That's lucky for me, man. I couldn't believe it. I thought for sure I lost my job to the Radiohead producer, and so you can imagine how happy I was when they called me back. Well, do you have a favorite song from The Strokes' second album, Room on Fire? Well, thanks for asking. In fact, I do. It's called 
under control. Under control. Yeah, I love that song. It's magic. Okay. Well, then let's hear Under Control by The Strokes, their second album, Room on Fire, produced by Gordon Raphael. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. Let's see if the technology is going to work for us. We'll see what happens. Yeah. No, there's always there's always a delay. You know technology. Waiting for the circles to stop. So we, the, we're going to have to wait just 10 more seconds but gordon you you can hang out for uh we're gonna play this song and probably fade out because the top of the hour here we got another show coming up so once again the strokes yeah yeah hold hold on one second we'll fade out in a sec okay then i can cook you some of your Okay, so this is The Strokes, Under Control, Room on Fire. single Under Control by The Strokes on their second album, Room on Fire, from 2003, produced by Gordon Raphael. We're joined with him live from the UK. Gordon, you want to say goodbye to everybody? I sure do. I really appreciate you having me on your show, and I wish everybody listening a wonderful day. Thanks, Gordon. So this is uh, world-famous producer Gordon Raphael, producer of The Strokes' first two albums, some of the songs on their third album. He produced Regina Spector. He's producing now in the UK. So anything that Gordon Raphael touches, it either turns to gold or platinum, apparently. Maybe that's yeah, a slight, to, slight exaggeration. What's that? We're trying to go diamond this year. That's even higher than platinum, apparently. All right. Well, check out his new book, published July 22. The world is going to love this. Up from the basement with the strokes. I'm Justin Bass, your host with Coffee Break. Thanks for joining us.